You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now. Here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, guys? Hope everybody had a great 4th of July. I had a great 4th of July. I was rained out. I was rained out, man. Me and my kids, we had to do a bunch of indoor activities on the 4th of July. We didn't even get to see fireworks in person. Uh, But thanks to everybody and their Instagram stories, I did not miss anything. Uh, (laughs) Appreciate everybody who just was posting the same fireworks over and over again on all the Instagram stories. I was caught up. I showed my kids. They didn't care. So appreciate everybody, and I hope you guys had a good one. I hope you, I hope you had better weather than me. You were able to take advantage of the pool, some grilling, all that. Zach, uh, I saw the weather by you, and you're not yeah. too far from me, but uh, you were. You guys were just fine. Yeah, it was great. I mean, besides the humidity, it, it was it was great. You know, we saw the fireworks and stuff. But for us, you didn't try indoor fireworks. You know, I feel like that might have worked. Something like that. You know, <laughs> just shoot some fireworks well, off inside. The action will be right there in front of you. You know what I mean? I hear you, man. But I was waiting for this podcast uh, before we let out the fireworks. Oh, uh, that's if, right. If you know what I mean. Uh, in <laughs> this episode, we're going over the best values in fantasy drafts right now. Okay, so th- we're, we're really get we're getting into it now. All right, yeah. we're getting into it now. Uh, I will read off some names, okay, just to kind of you know start it off. Just to kind of, you know, we're not going to go over all these guys, you know, in depth, but I will kind of talk to you guys about a few of these. And Zach has has some guys he wants to talk about in detail as well. But uh, just going over a few of these guys, you got Josh Jacobs. The RB10 yeah. off the board. We have Amari Cooper, wide receiver 18 off the board. You know, I'm less bullish on that one. Very bullish on Josh Jacobs. Very bu- bullish on Keenan Allen as a wide receiver 19. Joe Mixon as the RB15 going off the board. Uh, Chris Godwin, the wide receiver 29 off the board. Uh, I want to like this one, Zach, but every time I look at Baker Mayfield's efficiency numbers, even in, in low A dot situations, you know, with receivers, I'm just like, oh, it's just, just brutal. It's yeah. brutal. Uh, yeah. Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver, 31 off the board. Very, very bullish on that one. Tyler Lockett, I like that one. Wide receiver, 34 off the board. I think he's a solid value, even with JSN coming in. David Montgomery as the RB24. I think that's solid. You know, you know, he has a little bit of room to move there. You know, I can see his floor being a low-end RB2, but uh, where he's being drafted. But I think that's kind of his floor. I don't think he can finish lower than that. Um I know you like Brandon Cooks. We'll be talking about him soon, uh, yeah. going off the board as a wide receiver, 43. Um, you know, a pair of running backs in similar situations, Rashad White and James Conner. 
you know, both on pretty bad offenses going off the board as the RB26 and RB28 off the board. I'm a little bullish on those two guys as solid zero RB targets. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan uh, as the RB35. We, we've talked a lot about him. Um, and we have a few other guys that we can talk about as well. Um, Zach, why don't you kick us off, man? Kick us off with one of your favorite values right now uh, going off the board in drafts. So I know that, you know, we're all kind of in tune on this guy, but I don't think we're in tune enough. I don't think we're high enough on this guy. I mean, I'm looking at the where he's at in terms of his ADP. I, I don't think it's high enough. And that guy's Alexander Madison. You know, he's the RB19 right now. He's going at the 5-6 turn. I thought for sure his ADP was going to settle higher than it did. You know, I don't know if this is like the settling place, but it sure seems like it. He's been in this range for a little while. And I'm not complaining that it's this low, but we actually did a post. You remember when Cook was released and I'll just throw a stat out here from that post that explains just how good Madison has been when Dalvin Cook isn't in the lineup. In games since 2020, where Madison handles 50% or more of the snaps in a game, he's averaged 22.1 fantasy points per game which is just ridiculous. And we know that the usage comes um, when Dalvin Cook is out. And it's great. You know, any running back can get that usage when the guy in front of them is out. But Alexander Madison is producing at an elite level when Dalvin Cook is out. Dalvin Cook is now gone. He's out for good. For context, that 22.1 fantasy points per game that Madison had in those games where he handles 50% or more of the snaps, that would have been RB1 in points per game last season among all running backs. Uh, obviously, that's stats for comparison's sake. We can't really expect him to just average 22 points a game in a pass-first offense. But the sample size has been small, and the results have been great. So even if that number drops down to a low-end RB1 number, he's still being drafted way too low at the RB19. And I look at it this way. If there were no Dalvin Cook drama going on this offseason, you know, there wasn't any Dalvin Cooks being released or actually having him being released. It was just Dalvin Cooks going into this season as the RB1. You know, he'd probably be going in the RB10, RB12 range in ADP. Madison has proven he's been pretty much just as good as Cook for fantasy, but he's the RB19. So I think that he's way lower than he's going to finish this season as long as he stays healthy. Minnesota's offense is going to be very fantasy conducive as usual. So what's there to be afraid of? You know, not what's knocking Madison's price so low? I, I draft him up right now. You can get him as an extremely solid RB2. Or you could even go RB1 if you're going zero RB. You know, he's going at the five, six turn. So that starts like that RB dead zone. So I, I love Madison at his price. Yeah, I, I could play a little devil's advocate here with you, Zach. You know, I think number one, Madison, you know, has never handled uh, a workload for a large period of time, right? He's only, you know, played in games and had those type of touch numbers in games where Cook was out. And there's only been a, been a handful of them, right, over the years. That's number one. Number two, he's never done it with this particular coaching staff. Now, his head coach did talk him up a little bit and said that he does own, you know, have, you know, he has to, his full ownership over three downs, which is great. Um, but, you know, guys like Dwayne McBride was banged up. He was banged up during OTAs. They didn't really get a big, a good look at him yet. Um, this depth chart isn't screaming out to me, right? Or when you look at like Ty Chandler, for example, or you look at, Dwayne McBride, like I'm a big fan of Dwayne McBride, but if you look at his draft capital, it doesn't suggest that he's somebody that the Vikings are dying to get on the field. Um, so I do view Madison as a risky pick. I view him more as an upside pick because if all things go right, that's basically the, all the stuff that you just mentioned, right? Um, right? Where he could end up, 
you know, with a low end RB one type of upside, I do think he's still that's still in his range of outcomes. But I do think that the lower end of his range of outcomes is a lot lower than where he's being drafted right now. Um, if he gets the opportunity that a normal, you know, three down running back would get, then he's going to outdo. He's going to outpace this ADP for sure. But yeah. uh, I think there are some concerns with him. So I understand why he's not being drafted higher. Um, because there are more, I guess, sure things ahead of him. And I think that's the, I personally, like I'll have some, and I already have some ownership of him, uh, in, in best ball, but he's not something that I'm going, I'm not trying to like, you know, go out of my way to grab him, but I do understand the upside. And in best ball, I think it is smart to get, not totally fade him at his cost, but to, to grab some, you know, ownership and have some of your portfolio with some Alexander Madison at this price. So I get it. Yeah. yeah I, totally I, get I, it. I understand that there are risks too, you know, but I'm just looking at the situation. I just feel like there's a better chance that things go right than things go wrong, just because this is a really good fantasy offense, you know? So I don't see, like you mentioned, anybody else really stepping up and really challenging him for those touches, especially early on in the season, you know, D Wayne McBride, we both like him, of course, but it might take him a couple of weeks to get his feet underneath them. And even then, I don't think he's going to be taking like 40% of the touches. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure to see if if Madison is capable of handling, you know, uh, that type of workload for the full season. Um, Josh Jacobs right now going off the board as the RB10 uh, on underdog 28.4. ADP. I think I think Josh Jacobs is the value high end running back that's being drafted as a low end RB one right now. Um, yeah. Again, drafted as an RB ten off the off the board, mid second to late second round in home leagues, third round right now in underdog. Um, this past year was a little different for Jacobs. Um, and let's go over what was different. Okay, three hundred forty attempts last year with a new head coach. By the way, same head coach this year. Okay, same offense. Uh, he was second in touches per game last year among running backs third in weighted opportunity per game which takes into account that targets are worth more than carries for fantasy especially in full ppr definitely in half ppr as well 23.1 touches per game this past season 18.1 in 2021 and 20.4 in 2022 now the 20.4 sounds great similar to what he had last year but it's not that similar when you when you compare it to the weighted opportunity that he had last year because in 2020 that was primarily carries and he was barely involved in the receiving game the last two years 50 plus catches each year and when you look at the touchdowns i don't see a regression coming from the 12 that he had last year because he scored 12 and 9 the two years prior on less work so i have him as my rb6 right he's going off the board as the rb10 he's going behind jonathan taylor behind nick chubb derrick henry Ramondre Stevenson and I have him ranked over all those guys right now yeah and and Nick Chubb you know that's the one that I'm struggling with a little bit Ramondre maybe a little bit because we know that he's gonna be involved in the passing game but Josh Jacobs had 40 more attempts than Chubb last year and still maintained a similar yards after contact per attempt number uh he had more he had more missed tackles forced per attempt than Nick Chubb right and we know how good of a runner Nick Chubb is, right? Like, if, if I had to tell you who the best runner is, I would probably say Nick Chubb, right, right. Uh, in the NFL. Um, but he's also more of a bet to catch passes. 
something he's already done in the same offense uh, with a pocket quarterback who who you know will throw it to him because he's not going to run he's not going to run for any sort of yardage or anything like that. So if I can get yeah. Jacobs as the RB ten off the board, I think I'm taking him every time. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Jacobs at the RB ten. You know the finish that he had last season, he was the RB three. I think it points per game for PPR. It was just ridiculous. And it kind of came out of left field because the workload just hadn't been there. Like that full workload that you talk about hadn't been there. And the thing that's confusing, I think right now that we're seeing is like, what has changed? That's going to bump his ADP as low as it is right now. I mean, look at the quarterback. I'd argue the situation is better for him him with the quarterback change because Derek Carr would try to extend plays, throw the ball downfield. You know, I don't think Jimmy G is going to be that kind of guy. You know, he could be a guy that's going to dump the ball off to the to the running back. Christian McCaffrey was thriving off it last season, you know, while Jimmy G was healthy. I, I think we've seen him do that type of thing before. So Josh Jacobs, you know, I'm targeting him too. I mean, right when the ADPs, you know, really just kind of came out when we first started looking at these lists, Josh Jacobs has always felt low and he hasn't moved up. And what's really confusing to me, like you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor is not only going ahead of him, but way ahead of him, like a whole round ahead of him so that's really confusing me so i like nick chubb those guys that you mentioned too um saquon barkley's going ahead of him derrick henry i think he could challenge derrick henry because if derrick henry has any type of regression you know we're going to see josh jacob i think josh jacobs is going to outpace him in points by significant margin so yeah josh jacobs was on my list too i knew you were a big fan of josh jacobs I, i didn't do a section on him but you know there's a bunch of guys you know in certain ranges um josh jacobs is one of them yeah, man. Uh, talk about a tight end um, that that you like. I like also going into this season, a uh, little bit of a target competition there in Philly. But talk to me a little bit about Dallas Goddard. Yeah, Dallas Goddard. I feel like even at the 6-7 turn, he's a tight end 6. You look at tight ends, it's like if, if you're tight end 6, you're taking a tight end early. That really isn't if you look at where the top, top tight ends, like Travis Kelsey's and Mark Andrews are going, and guys like Dallas Goddard are going. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's going in the first round. But Mark Andrews, he's going in the late second, early third round. And then there's a big drop in ADP. You know, TJ Hawkinson, the next tight end off the board, is in the fifth round. Dallas Goddard is at a really comfortable price, if you ask me. I mean, he missed five games in 2022. So his fancy finish as a tight end 12 in total points doesn't really tell the whole story. He was the tight end five in points per game last year. And if we prorate that number over a full 17-game season, Goddard would have finished as a tight end three in total points scored in 2022 by a tenth of a point over George Kittle. Now it was 200.6 points to 200.5 points. That was the difference. So he either he, you could call him the tight end three or the tight end four if you prorate that number in 2022. But his weekly fantasy floor is safely within the top 10 each and every week. That's unparalleled consistency for a tight end going at the six, seven turn. Kyle Pitts is going ahead of Goddard, but he has question marks at QB and in the usage department. You know, we're still not sure what we're going to get from Kyle Pitts, and he's more expensive right now than Dallas Goddard. Darren Waller is a tight end seven behind Goddard, but it remains to be seen how he connects with Daniel Jones. You look at that range in that range of tight ends, you know, there's more question marks than safe bets at that point. Dallas Goddard is a very safe bet. Even Evan Ingram, you know, Calvin Ridley's there. That's going to complicate his situation. And even if Trevor Lawrence takes a step forward, like we expect. It's going to be interesting to see how Evan Ingram falls out there. Um, he's going just about two rounds later than Dallas Goddard, but I'd rather have Goddard, who has an extremely safe weekly floor at tight end. He's one of the last remaining, you know, set and forget tight ends on the ADP list before you start getting into the dart throw territory. And that dart throw territory creeps up on you really fast, especially if there's any type of run on tight ends and drafts. So if you can lock up Dallas Goddard, 
I think you can get you can get him at an affordable price, six seven turn, where you have leeway to use those premium picks early on in your draft on other skilled players, and then really just batting down the hatches with plenty of high end talent elsewhere, and you can just get away with Dallas Goddard, who's going to give you solid fantasy production every week. There was no tight end last year besides Travis Kelsey who was as consistent for you uh, as a right. tight end one besides Dallas Goddard. These two guys were in elite territory by themselves in terms of consistency uh, on a weekly basis. Um, Goddard missed five games, but he was still th- he was still tied for third in the most you know, uh, with the most top twelve weeks. Yeah. Okay. So 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 think about that for a second. Okay. So he he probably would have you know what he probably would have been right there with Travis Kelsey or had maybe one less game. Like Travis Kelsey had uh, thirteen top twelve weeks. Dallas Goddard had seven. Pat Fryermuth was second with eight. Okay, yeah. so if, if Goddard didn't miss those five games, uh, he would have been right there with Travis Kelsey uh, in terms of the most top 12 finishes. Now, at the tight end position, you want to try to get as many top five weeks uh, as possible, right? Uh, Dallas Goddard didn't do it as often as you would have liked. He only had uh, one, but not that many tight ends had more than one or more than two, right? The only There was only uh, two tight ends who hit four top five weeks that was number one travis kelsey zach can you give me the number two well also tied with travis kelsey for the most top five weeks i want to say tj hawkinson think of a high ceiling ceiling tight end high ceiling tight end Ooh. but lower below floor yes that's right yeah so george kittle was right there with travis kelsey with four top five finishes last year right um what was it? What, I mean, hold on, let me see this. Let me see this for a second. Is it top five or top two? What did I have here? I'm sorry, top two. Top two. So they they both had top two finish, four top two finishes with Goddard getting that one top two finish. So, you know, he could right. get there. He definitely has some target competition, obviously, with Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. But, you know, this offense was rolling last year, and we should yeah. expect that to continue. Jalen Hurts could even take a step forward uh, in the passing game, right? Um, as we saw with right. with other quarter like other quarterbacks like Josh Allen continuing to take step steps forward after that first leap that he took, right? We saw that Jalen Hurst took that first leap last year. Yeah. Um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, I want to talk about a wide receiver that I've been talking about, Keenan Allen. Right? We talked about him a lot, so I'll keep it short and sweet with him. You know, his ADP did move up, okay, since the last time that we really went on about him. Uh, early yeah. June, he was going off the board as the wide receiver 23 on underdog. Now he's going off the board as the wide receiver 19 
So that's a 3-4 turn. You might be able to snag him in the fourth round of your home league, uh, which is great value. Um, I think the main thing that the haters talk about is the injuries. Uh, he missed half the year last year, yes. Uh, but before that, he missed three games over the previous five seasons. So he played in 96% of his, of his games uh, in the previous five seasons. Um, so, And yes, he's older. He's 31 years old. And I, I think he should have one more you know, solid season in him. Right. If you're going to bet on a season, I think it's with Kellen Moore coming in. The Chargers could be more uh, pass heavy. They could be the most pass heavy team in the league this yeah. year. And if Keenan Allen's going to be the number one target on that offense, I think, you know, it's worth targeting him where he's going. Um, and again, last year when he came back from his injury, elite fantasy production. OK, number two in targets behind Justin Jefferson, fifth in receiving yards, sixth in receiving touchdowns, 18.8 PPR fantasy points per game. That was a wide receiver three during that span. The overall wide receiver three. Okay. Again, yeah. he's coming off the board as a wide receiver 19. Okay. So you're most likely getting a high end wide receiver two with potential to finish as a low end wide receiver one in PPR. And you are paying a price of a mid to low end wide receiver, th- wide receiver two right now. Now, right. if I was more bullish on Quentin Johnston, as a prospect, maybe I'd expect Keenan Allen to like maybe not have as many targets, target share going down, but I'm not sure the ball will be spread out that much. Okay, Mike Williams, he was never really a target earner in games Keenan Allen played. You know, I think it's Keenan Allen and it's Austin Eckler with a little bit of Mike Williams sprinkled in, a little bit of Quentin Johnston sprinkled in. And I think if anyone's going to get hurt from Quentin Johnston coming, I think it's going to be Mike Williams because Mike Williams was never a target earner. Keenan Allen always has been. I think he's going to continue to be this year um you know it's gonna like the downfall for keenan Allen is gonna happen soon man he's getting older for sure yep. uh, but from what he showed last year after he got healthy from the hamstring injury it looks like he still got it looks like justin hurt he's still justin herbert's guy um and at this price like it's it's pretty damn good i can see the touchdowns going up as well yeah I- i'm with you there and you mentioned those touchdowns going up you said he was a wide receiver three you know in that span of games once he came back from that injury that was with just four touchdowns in eight games you know, he had two touchdowns in that last game of the year in week 18. But you, the way that he produced for me is the most, you know, encouraging thing last season. You know, when he came back from the injury, it's just targets on targets on targets. You know, he had four games over 10 targets, no games under six targets. And he had no games where he was under double digit fantasy points. So, like, what is there really to be afraid of? You don't want to just say, well, I'm going to avoid him because he's going to get injured again. That's a rough argument, you know. So I, I think you look at Keenan Allen. I think Quentin Johnson compares closer to Mike Williams than Keenan Allen. So I think that if he is, like you mentioned, going to take targets or time playing time from anybody, it's going to be Mike Williams. Um, he's a younger version, maybe more durable. We'll see. But um, yeah, Keenan Allen at wide receiver 19. He was a great price at wide receiver 23. Like, don't get me wrong. It would be awesome if, if he were still there. But as we all know, the people in the fantasy community aren't complete idiots. Wide receiver 19 is still a good price, though. No, I agree. And I think, you know, there's going to be a theme when it comes to a lot of these picks that I'm making with a lot of these guys, you know, who are going to be earning a lot of targets this year. Um, but, but we'll get there. Another guy who might be able to get some more targets than he got in Houston last year, Brandon Cooks, um, going over to Dallas. Um, yeah. I, I love grabbing cooks you can grab him as your wide receiver three you know this year pretty easily you know some some teams easily. you can grab him as your wide receiver four and he could outproduce that and you think so too yeah 100 and you know a lot of people are gonna be like 
well, C.D. Lamb, you know, he had over 130-some targets last season. You know, he, he's going to be taking all the targets. Where's Brandon Cooks going to get these targets? Like, what are you worried about? Brandon Cooks was also a target earner, even in Houston. I mean, does anyone realistically think that Brandon Cooks is going to finish anywhere near the wide receiver 43 spot in 2023? Like, the guy missed four games last year, played on a truly horrific Texans offense, and still managed to have over seven targets a game, average over seven targets a game, and scored in double digits more times than he didn't last year on the Texans in 2022. And remember, that wasn't necessarily just that injury. You know, he had that like phantom injury come up in the middle of the season. It wasn't just that injury keeping him off the field last year. He just straight up didn't want to play in Houston anymore. And it was like a mini holdout in the middle of the season. He wasn't happy, and he was still producing for a team he didn't want to play for. Now he's on a Cowboys offense that's been missing a true wide receiver too since Amari Cooper's departure. He's going to slide right into that role. And the Cowboys offense vacated three of their top six target earners last year. That was Dalton Schultz, that was Noah Brown, and that was Zeke. Although Zeke only had 23 targets, but still worth mentioning. You know, it's going to be over 180 targets that they vacated. He can step right in and get that work. That volume alone should be enough to propel Cooks into the top 36, but he's clearly got stuff, uh, a lot of gas left in the tank and the talent to boot. It'll give him a true wide receiver two upside in Dallas. George Pickens and Gabe Davis are going wide receiver 40 and 41. They have no business going ahead of him. You know, just their situations versus what Brandon Cooks brings to the Cowboys. The wide receiver two role is now filled. He's going to get targets. I'd be absolutely ecstatic if I could land Brandon Cooks as wide, wide receiver three, which is not only possible, but it's pretty much likely at this point. You don't have to draft him at a wide receiver two price. You could draft him at a wide receiver three price. And I think you could put him in your wide receiver two slot every week and be all right. You know, I don't think you'd have much trouble on a weekly basis. Now, I know that a lot of people, you know, including maybe you think that the that Cowboys are going to be a little bit run heavy, more run heavy this year. That might be the case. But I know that Mike McCarthy was with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But in 11 of his 12 years as a play caller, his team was top 10 in passing yards. Okay, so right. this team, especially getting Brandon Cooks, if Michael Gallup can, you know, get right, they might be pretty pass-heavy, man. And look at who their main running back is. is Tony Pollard. I'm looking at this very similarly to Chargers, like where, like, the, the main running back is going to get – is the best in space, right? And right. that's kind of how I'm looking at it, this situation right now, where they're just going to th- – they're going to throw the ball. And I think Brandon Cooks has top 24 upside, um, yeah. you know, this year. CD is going to be there. This is their first. When was the last time they had a legit wide receiver too? It was when they had Amari Cooper and CD Lamb, right? Yep. That was the last time that that was the case. So I'm expecting Cooks to to command targets. I don't think he's going to take away anything from CD Lamb. If anything, he's going to make CD Lamb more efficient because there's somebody that the defense actually has to consider. Um, and the fact that they do have to consider with CD Lamb, consider CD Lamb, that's going to open things up for Brandon Cooks because when was the last time somebody was opening up? for Brandon Cooks the way that CeeDee Lamb can open open things up for him. It's been a minute. Yeah, It's been a minute, okay? So we don't want Brandon Cooks as the wide receiver one anyway, even though he's capable. So now he, he's the wide receiver two, and I think he can succeed. And, you know, I don't want to talk about Dak. There's a lot of Dak haters out there. But yeah, Dak, Dak can make it happen. Okay, Dak can make it happen. I'm not worried, I'm not worried about him at all. So I like it. I like Thank it. You. Now, another wide receiver <laughs> who I think is going to – uh, earned some targets this year. And matter of fact, he's been earning targets for the last several years as Deontay Johnson. Big surprise. Everyone knows 
that I'm going to keep hyping up Deontay Johnson, and it's worth it because target earning is a skill, and Deontay Johnson has earned those targets because he's one of the best route runners and separators in the NFL. Okay, He yep. dealt with rookie quarterback play last year. Kenny Pickett did get better in the second half of the season, so that's good. Um, 144 targets, 169 targets, 147 targets over the last three seasons. It tells you that this dude is going to be a PPR beast. And not only that, the fact that he's scored zero touchdowns last year is a great thing for anyone who drafts him this year because those touchdowns are going to come back in bunches. Now, if you didn't have Deontay Johnson last year, this is the year to get him. Okay, because if you didn't have him last year, cool, you dodged a bullet. But now what are the chances that he scores a bunch of touchdowns this year? It's a lot higher than it was last year. Okay? Yeah. And it's called regression to the mean. Since the year 2000, no wide receiver who has more who has had more than 140 targets has had zero touchdowns in a season. And I mentioned this before, but you know, if he was just at his average touchdown rate for his career last year, he would have been the wide receiver 22 in PPR points per game rather than the wide receiver 42 off the board right now. Okay? So, this is not normal what happened last year. It was a, it was a complete anomaly. And I'm taking advantage, and you should too, because you don't get wide receiver one type of target share, you know, this late in drafts. And as the wide receiver, I'm sorry, he didn't finish as the wide receiver 42 last year. No, he finished as a wide receiver 42 last year, but he's being taken as the wide receiver 31 off the board uh, in the sixth round right now. So I'm expecting a consistent PPR wide receiver two for you this season. And you're getting him at like a mid to low end wide receiver three price tag. And I think where he's being drafted right now is pretty much his floor. I understand that he finished lower than his floor last year, but we're not we're not going to consider an outlier season as uh, a, a data point, right? In terms of like where his floor can actually be, right? You, you, you kind right. of want to look at what the reasonable outcomes are. Last year was not a reasonable outcome, even though it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't mean that we look at that as what his floor can be, because you never really project anyone for zero touchdowns when they have like 150 targets. It just doesn't happen. No. So you don't really consider that. So you got to target Deontay Johnson at his price, especially if you play in full PPR. Now, if you're in half PPR, you're in standard or non PPR. I get it. I understand. Could still continue to be low a dot. I get it. And I'm fully, you know, I can totally agree with you there. But in full PPR, especially. You got to grab Deontay Johnson where he's going right now. Yeah. And if you're playing standard, it's going to be easier to make the switch to PPR and draft Deontay Johnson than it's going to be to avoid him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> just switch to PPR. That's that's the best way to play. But you mentioned Deontay Johnson, you know, it's an outlier season. Even in that outlier season, it's not like his consistency went anywhere. I mean, look at the targets that he got. He has all sorts of games over double digits targets. And his production, you know, even though it was low, it was consistent, you know, and it wasn't a fantastic offense. They had a rookie quarterback. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be at least a little better, you know, this season than he was last season. Like every, all the needles are pointing up relative to last season. Sure, they might be might not be ideal, but you mentioned the price that he's going at. We know he gets targets. This is coming from a guy that was off of Deontay Johnson last season. I didn't want anything to do with Deontay Johnson. This season, I'm in on Deontay Johnson because the price is just perfect. The way that he earns targets was ridiculous. Zero. T- if he if if he has zero touchdowns again, and he starts every game in 2023, 
then maybe we can start thinking about okay, there's a problem. But there's I think, not. I think even, it's. A, I think it would be impossible. Yeah, for him to like, score zero touchdowns. It, it is bordering <laughs> on impossible. I mean, unless he gets injured, you know, like the odds sure. of him scoring zero sure. touchdowns is so astronomically low. <laughs> like, you don't have to yeah. worry about that. And, and we price. also we we also talked about like uh, George Pickens, right? Like a lot of people think that George Pickens is going to leapfrog Deontay Johnson uh, in uh, you know in targets or being the number one guy. Like it, it just it's just not going to happen. Like when you really look at what happened last year, he, Kenny Pickett always preferred Deontay number one, but that's because Deontay is just a better receiver. Like if you looked at if you look at uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception where he charts you know these wide receivers and their route running and all that. It totally makes sense why Deontay Johnson was out targeting Pickens. Pickens is a is could be a really good X receiver, um, but he's not going to get separation at the levels that Deontay Johnson does. So I would not expect that, especially given the fact that Deontay has been earning the type of target share that he has with multiple quarterbacks at this point. Yeah, with multiple quarterbacks, you know, Mitch Trubisky was hyper targeting him just like anybody yeah. else. I was, I was just going to mention that, you know, it, it wasn't just Kenny Pickett targeting him. It's Mitch Trubisky and George Pickens. He is a flashier receiver. I'll give you that. And it kind of reminds me of the situation you were just talking about in Los Angeles, you know, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Mike Williams is that X receiver. You know, he's going to have the flashier plays, but who's going to get it done, you know, on a regular basis, consistent basis, scoring at a high level. It's going to be Deontay Johnson, just like Keenan Allen with the Chargers. All right, man. Talk to me about Baltimore. These these Baltimore wide receivers. You know, who do you prefer? Why and where is he going right now? Yeah. So we discussed this a little bit. You know, just about these Baltimore receivers. How they're all pretty much of value because none of them are going very high in drafts at all. But my guy, and I think it's I think you would agree with me, is Zay Flowers. You know, he's wide receiver forty six going in the eighth round. Lamar's gonna be throwing the ball more. That much we know. We've heard about every report that this offense with Baltimore, they're gonna be throwing the ball more. And he has shiny new weapons to throw to. You know, he has Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham. Good for him. Good for Lamar. That's all fine and dandy. But the onus falls on us to identify the player that's going to emerge as the Ravens wide receiver one. And that's going to be Zay Flowers. I'm calling it right now. Odell will have his games, but he just isn't a wide receiver one at this point in his career. I don't think. You know, he's older. He hasn't proven that he can stay on the field. If anything would happen, you know, he's not going to be as big a fantasy contributor as these other two receivers. And Rashad Bateman, you know, he continues to make his comeback from the Liz Frank injury that he had that sidelined him for most of 2022 he'll probably need a few weeks to get all the way up to speed again so that leaves zay flowers the raven first round pick do it all skill set with a golden opportunity to establish connection with lamar you know it's like this is all the stars are aligning he can make a great first impression and carry that momentum through the rest of the season if that happens it's hard to imagine flowers finishing any lower than he's where he's currently being drafted like drafted like i said wide receiver 46 is he going to be that low? I don't think so. Lamar, people give him a lot of crap. They say that he's not as good at throwing as other quarterbacks. I think he's very talented. He can do it. We've seen him throw very well throughout his career. Um, he's been a little banged up. Lamar has the past few years, but I'm not worried about that kind of thing. Uh, sidelining Flowers prospects, he's going to be just fine. Um, he has a draft capital to back him up as well. Situation, I don't think is going to be as crowded as it might appear, like I just said, at first glance. It all comes down to whether or not Flowers can buy himself time on the field in the first few weeks. And I think we'd be mistaken not to give him the benefit of the doubt, given his talent. So I like Zay Flowers at wide receiver 46. He can definitely outperform this. Is it as much of a slam dunk as a guy like Brandon Cooks, who's going three spots ahead of him as the wide receiver 43? No, but I think you can get similar return on investment because the investment's so low with Zay Flowers.
Yeah, he was my second favorite wide receiver prospect in this class outside of JSN. Um, and, you know, with Rashad Bateman's foot injury, I do think that if I'm going to bet on any of them, you know, they're going back to back in terms of ADP right now. Um, so I would probably bet on Zay Flowers because he's the guy who can actually run routes like as of right now, as of today. Yeah. Um, so Bateman, you know, because of that, you know, he had that injection because he, they removed the screw and all that. So, you know, he, he might be fine for this year. But we could see some issues in terms of him getting back to 100 percent and taking a little bit of time to get to 100 percent. So Zay Flowers might get the benefit of doubt. And I think, you know, if I'm choosing between him and Odell Beckham, I'm going to choose Zay Flowers. He's he's a younger guy, right? He's he's more likely to put up Odell Beckham Jr. numbers than Odell Beckham Jr. is at this point of his career and his age after two ACL injuries and all that, right? The 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 I think the the offense itself is just night and day. Greg Roman, extremely run heavy. It's not just because of Lamar Jackson. It's because that's what Greg Roman has been doing in his career. Like, that's his thing. He's always been run heavy. He's always been that type of player, uh, that type of uh, offensive coordinator. And then Todd Munkin, you know, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they were elevated to fantasy starters under Munkin, right? Like, they just, like, these guys weren't those type of players, right? Um, yeah. The Bucks they led the league in passing yards under Munkin in 2018. They were fourth in 2017. Um, Baker Mayfield almost threw for 4,000 yards with Todd Munkin you know, in 2019, okay? Um, and you look at what he did in Georgia over the past three seasons, top 10 passing offense um, each of the three seasons, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, potential in the receiving game here, and I think this offense, this passing offense, just overall is just being overlooked right now. So I'm with you on this one. And I think that, you know, not only is Zay Flowers a value, I think he actually has a little bit of upside, um, you know, based on who he is and how I think Todd Munkin can, can use him. So um, sure. I'm, I'm with you on this one, man. I, I do like I do like Zay Flowers uh, this year. Uh, yeah, I, I do like him a little bit more than I did coming into the year, especially because, you know, initially I'm like, all right, well, this is a little bit, you know, I'm wondering, like, you know, who where the targets are going to flow. I think it's going to be, as of right now, if I had to guess, it's going to be number one, Mark Andrews, number two, Zay Flowers, number three, Rashad Bateman. And then maybe he could flip to Rashad Bateman back to number two uh, in 2023, 2024, uh, but right. we'll see. And again, we're going to continue with the theme of guys who are going to get the targets. And I think, you know, I- I'm going to talk about two guys, you know, kind of at the same time. And that's Rashad White and James Conner, you know, two guys who are probably staples of zero running back bills right now, right? You know, Rashad White yeah. going off the board as the RB26, James Conner going off the board as the RB28. But there's actually, uh, you know, not a big difference in terms of their ADP. Um, you know, they're both going around, you know, the 7-8 turn right now uh, on underdog. Um, now, let's start with Rashad White. Everyone's assuming that the Bucks are going to add another running back to the fold, right? But Tom Brady isn't there to convince any of these running backs to do that anymore. And, and it seems like yeah. it's going to be Rashad White's show at this point. Um, you know, we might see him on all three downs. He's definitely the pass catcher. Like, if they're going to bring any running back onto the field, it's definitely not to take, take away any pass catching role. Uh, he caught 50 balls as a rookie, right? And that was while sharing the load with another running back who was the primary pass catcher out of the backfield, right? Fournette had 73 yeah. catches last year. Now, neither of them were overly efficient last year. This entire offense wasn't efficient last year. Uh, but I will say that I'm only drafting White in PPR leagues, okay? And I'm targeting yep. him as someone who is getting opportunity, but on a bad offense, right? So, like, I'm, I, I have to understand that going in, right? 
tons of opportunity, tons of weighted opportunity because of all those targets. Obviously, we'll get a bump in the run game as well in terms of opportunity, but he's on a bad offense, okay? You're drafting him yeah. for volume, but we've seen running backs who get volume on bad offenses. They still have the potential to finish as RB1s. Like, that is possible. Okay, now, right. is he going to finish as RB1? Probably not. But can, can he be a solid RB2 every week in PPR? Hell yeah, for sure. Um, but the RB1 upside, there's a small percentage that that could be the case based on the fact that can he get 70 catches this year? Yeah. Uh, Baker yeah. Mayfield targeted Christian McCaffrey uh, at an extremely high rate. Obviously, that's Christian McCaffrey. He didn't do yeah. it with Cam Akers, though, right? Because Cam Akers isn't necessarily this like running back you have to get the ball to. But Rashad White, he was also a very, you know, he was an extremely good pass catching running back prospect coming out of college. He had the highest yards per touch of the 2022 running back class. He had elite yards per route run numbers. So, you know, if you can bet on an every down back as RB26, who will be getting opportunity like a top 12 guy in terms of weighted opportunity, he can take a step forward in efficiency. I'll take that shot, you know, especially if I'm going zero running back. Yeah. I mean, why the heck not? You know, you look at if you are going zero running back, like you want to minimize risk at the running back position. That's exactly the type of running back you take. The guy that's just going to have the volume. Like it doesn't matter what offense he's going to be on. There are guys on good offenses, one that I'm going to talk about, you know, soon that have question marks in terms of the volume that going to get that they're going to get. And they're risky for that reason. But Rashad White, I don't think there's any risk, you know, with the price that he's at. Like, obviously, is the ceiling there? No, but you have to take the good with the bad in fantasy football. You know, the it, it's a perfect combination right there. White is going to have the volume. And like you said, it's good that he's going to excel. We've seen him excel in the receiving game where points are actually scored at a much higher rate, you know, for running backs. That's one of the things where if you want to cheat code running back, you want them to be catching passes. At least if he's on a bad offense, he's going to be doing that. And I think with the quarterbacks he has in Tampa Bay, I mean, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, like these guys, I don't think you have to worry about them not targeting him. They're going to be, you know, checking it down a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. And I think James Conner is in a similar situation, right? Like, Conner's oh, yeah. definitely had his share of injury issues, but he was also 10th among all running backs last year in weighted opportunity uh, per game. Uh, yet he's going off the board as an RB28. And in the second half of the season last year, when the Cardinals were hot trash with Kyler Murray, Connor was an RB4 in fantasy points per game. He was an RB1 in fantasy points per game last year, just overall. Okay, so yeah. he was an RB10. Colt McCoy only targeted DeAndre Hopkins more than Connor last year. And now Hopkins is gone. Right. Like, they have no, they have literally have no, uh, no one good behind Connor this year and i'm expecting a lot of negative game scripts for both these teams so connor should be able to rack up i don't know five catches a game and you can draft this dude in the seventh or eighth round strictly a volume play obviously ppr preferred right someone who's gonna be very involved in the receiving game another you know solid zero running by target yeah who would you rather have between james connor and rashad white do you think i think i lean rashad white by a hair that's funny because I lean James Conner. It's weird. And the reason why I lean Rashad White is because, you know, Conner, you know, he's been getting banged up and he's a little bit older. That's 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 literally it. That's the only reason, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, that's a fair argument. Rashad White, you know, I guess there's more room for Rashad White upswing than there is for James Conner to upswing, you know, because Rashad yes. White, like you said, he's very young. So I guess I understand that. But I look at the production profile of James Conner. 
I don't want to say that the Cardinals offense is going to be clearly better than the Buccaneers, but I don't have hardly any hope for the Bucs. <laughs> I just I just don't. Hey, the quarterback um, situation I, 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 is I do. very bad. I do. I do. If I'm if I'm comparing the Bucks to the Cardinals, I would say the car the Bucks offense is going to be better than the Cardinals. Because at the end of the day, they still got Chris Godwin, they still got Mike Evans, they still got yeah. you know, a, a like can Baker Mayfield run an offense like relatively okay? I mean, look at who the Cardinals have right now at quarterback. It's it's if we think yeah, obviously Baker Mayfield isn't good, but mm. but what the you know look what the Cardinals have right now. Like they're looking at the number one overall pick next year, dude. Yeah, Caleb Williams, you mean, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at. I don't put Baker Mayfield on a pedestal over Colt McCoy. I think they're in like the same bag, if you ask me. Like I, hear you. I, I think they're very similar. Like I like both. Um, the web. I mean, I like Marquise Brown. We we saw him. He did pretty well with Kyler Murray. We'll see how that goes. You know, we didn't see a whole lot of Marquise Brown with a backup quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins last season because as soon as he came back, DeAndre Hopkins was back. He got injured. But I don't know. I, I just trust the Cardinals offense to just be a little bit better. And it's that's I tough. I mean, we're we're now, picking if, I think if James Conner like was somebody who like didn't always like get hurt and like have to leave the field and all that kind of stuff, like right. I, I agree. Like the the production that he's already had kind of screams that he would be the guy to, to grab, you know. And if he wasn't older too, you know, maybe I would I would agree. But it's close, and that's why their ADPs are so close together: RB twenty six and RB twenty eight. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, now there's another running back who gets hurt. You know, all the time. He's probably got hurt. He's probably been hurt like seventy five percent of of his career games. Uh, that he had a maybe maybe that's given him too many games played. Honestly, but uh, who you got, man? I, I'm we're we're targeting this Eagles these Eagles running backs. Like who who are you going with? Like seems like. Seems like, you know, there's two guys that you can go with here. You know, you kind of have to pick and choose, right? Yeah. Between Rashad White. I mean, I'm sorry, between DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. So who are you going with? I, I like Rashad Penny. And this might come down solely to the price because obviously there's reason to be excited for DeAndre Swift and the Eagles offense. But, I mean, you look at Rashad Penny, the RB38 in the 10th round. Like, the hype has been around DeAndre Swift since they traded for him. But we can't forget the presumptive early down back in Philly. I mean, Rashad Penny, he struggles staying healthy in his career, yes. But he's going to be playing behind one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the NFL this year. And bearing his durability concerns in mind, maybe a comfortable split and workload with with Swift is exactly what the doctor ordered. And it'll help keep Penny fresh and free of injury. Um, The early down role in the Eagles offense should have plenty of points via touchdowns. And that's an okay prospect for a running back like Benny, who's being drafted in the 10th round. A 10th round running back, early down roll on an offense that's going to be scoring a bunch of touchdowns. Like, I'm cool with that. Remember back in the last five weeks of 2021? Now, remember, this is going way back because Penny's missed a lot of time. The first, the last five weeks of 2021, when Penny averaged 134 rush yards a game, that's seven yards a carry, to go along with six rushing touchdowns in those five games. That ceiling is fantastic. Will it be there if he splits work? Probably not, but the efficiency can be, you know, it doesn't matter if he's getting 30, you know, attempts a game or 10 attempts a game. I think the efficiency can carry over. So couple of high yards per carry with a high touchdown upside on a very good Eagles offense. He's going to have that goal line role. I think he's going to be their goal line running back. You have yourself a potential quality RB2 in the 10th round. And obviously that's extrapolating a little bit, but let's just ask you a question. Who would you rather have Penny in the 10th round or Zach Charbonnet in the ninth? I mean, for me, it's pretty easy. Yeah, I'm going Penny. Yeah. And how about Penny in the 10th 
or Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh? That one's interesting. Penny. Yeah, I'd go with Penny too. So he's a value based off his upside and price alone. He's going three rounds later too than DeAndre Swift. So the easy answer here, which Eagles running back would you rather have, might be DeAndre Swift. But Rashad Penny, like we can't forget about him. And I think people are because he's at the RB38 right now. That's an RB4. I don't think he's going to finish. If he's healthy for at least 10 or 12 games, he's going to have at least eight touchdowns, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, I, I think he has bigger, he has more big playability than Miles Sanders, right? Who was there last year. He's going to be running behind a good offensive line. Uh, it really comes down to if he's healthy, man. If he's healthy, I think he's right. going, going to be there early down back. Um, I think DeAndre Swift is going to spell him on early downs. Um, you know, I, I, you know, maybe a little bit more than spelling, I would say. And yeah. I think behind this offensive line is a lot possible. I think it's this is a very tricky situation. I think it's really hard to decipher, you know, between these two guys. And, you know, in a vacuum, obviously, I would take Swift because I think right. his upside is absolutely massive. Um, you know, does his upside go down because of the fact that he's playing with a rushing quarterback who might not check it down as often. I do think that, you know, smart offensive coordinator will get DeAndre Swift in space and use him. So, you know, I do think that Swift has some more upside. I think he he has that RB1 level upside to him. Um, yeah. Now, Rashad Penny, it really comes down to health, like you said. And, and behind that offensive line on a good offense, if he's their goal line back, I think it, it, he, he could do his thing. Now, you know, Miles Sanders really just capped out, right, as a mid-RB2. And yeah. he got all the work in the backfield, pretty much, yeah. right, especially in the run game. Um, and no no player was really in, too involved in the receiving game. I think, you know, when Kenny Gamble was on the field, he they did target the running back a little bit more. So I'm expecting a little bit more of that with DeAndre Swift. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree. If you're shooting for upside, um, I think I think Rashad Penny is a decent decent pick. However, when it comes to values, like you know, is Rashad Penny somebody who you can say like, all right, well, I'm picking him now, and I know I could use him, right? I think there's still a question mark there. Like the downside of Rashad Penny, I think, is like he's not even usable, you know, because yeah, uh, the fact you. that they they got Swift, um, and what if he only gets like ten carries a game, and yeah. you know, maybe maybe touchdown dependent. I don't know. Right, so there, there's some question marks there, I think, but that's why yeah. you're going to the tenth. So I think he's, exactly. he's definitely an up, he's definitely an upside play. Now, you you got two two players on this Eagles offense, um, and you mentioned one tight end on the Eagles offense, Dallas Goddard, but you have another tight end that you think is undervalued right now, um, and is going a little bit later than he should be. Yeah, and you look at the tight end board. There's not really anybody that you could look at and be like. They're going lower than they should be, but there is one. I, I think it's Chigo Conquo from Tennessee. I mean, we saw what he did last season. You know, he was number one yards per outrun, number one yards per catch among all tight ends, not just rookies, all tight ends. And who does he have competing for targets with him? I mean, Traylon Burks is there. And we think, I think we're both on the same page with Traylon Burks. He's in like a very similar situation to Chigo Conquo, where it's like both of them are going to be competing with each other, but it's not going to be that bad because it's literally only them two in the receiving game. Now, I understand that the Titans passing game isn't going to be all that in a bag of chips, you know, like they're going to be a run first offense and that's okay. There's only two targets in this offense. So you look at Chica Conquo, the way that he produced last season, obviously he didn't have a whole lot of targets. That number can go up. We saw the efficiency that was there at the tight end position with guys going around him. Like Dalton Schultz is going at the tight end 14. 
I don't really trust him to have any type of upside like Chico Conquo has. Dalton Kincaid is going ahead of Chico Conquo. I don't think his upside's anywhere near what Chico uh, Conquo can have. Even Pat Frymuth, I mean, I think he's a really nice, you know, safe pick. Pat Frymuth is. His volume is going to be there. But I think Chico Conquo has higher upside at this point. And if you want to swing for, you know, that top five weekly upside at tight end, to be able to take Chico Conquo as late as he's going in the, I think it's the 11th round, like, you can't really beat that. Like, I wouldn't advise building your roster and saying, all right, I'm just going to take Jacob Conquo late and then just draft the rest of your team like you already have a tight end. There is risk here because, like I said, Ryan Tannehill's a quarterback. Passing offense isn't going to be superb. But Jacob Conquo is one of two targets. He's shown target-earning opportunity, even as a tight end, a rookie tight end. I, I think that he is going lower than he should be, even at tight end 12. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you, man. I I'm a big fan of Oconco. I think he has a lot of upside, top five upside, right? Yards per route run is there. Remember, coming into last year, you know who was number one in yards per route run, you know, with with not enough targets? It was Dallas Goddard, okay? So right. this means something, okay? Oconco, you know, showed what he did. We, 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 he was hyped up during the season as a rookie last year. If you're going to finish yards per route run as number one and you do it as a rookie, you got to pay attention, okay? This is not another veteran. Uh, doing something like this okay so number right. you know going into his second year you know being the, the second option you know in this offense it makes a lot of sense remember nick westbrook akina is the number two wide receiver right now okay yeah so pay attention ryan Tannehill, they still have a capable quarterback who is manning that offense right now um i want to talk about samaj p Ryan. and you know a lot of these names if you're an avid listener to the podcast you're probably like damn like you guys keep talking about the same guys. I, I, I guess that's a good thing, though. You know, and yeah. there were guys that I usually talk about that I, I am not mentioning in this episode, too. So take note of that as well, because if you guys that I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I'm not going in detail because, you know, not only did I not did I talk about them a lot, but also it's like, you know, their prices might be going up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So you might be shifting mind. the market. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I should. I wish this podcast had that sort of uh, impact. Uh, yeah. like, look at Joe Mixon. You know, he was going off the board as a, what RB18. Now yep. he's going off the board as RB15. Okay. So things change a little bit. Now, is he as much of a value? He might be a little bit of a value, but not as much. No, not even. All right. Close. So, yeah. So, Samaje P. Ryan, listen, man, it's going to be hard to trust Javante Williams this year. Okay. Samaje P. Ryan is going off the board as an RB35 in the ninth round. Okay. And, Sean Payton knows how to use versatile running backs. He's done it time and time again over like, you know, 15 seasons or whatever it was, right, in New Orleans. No matter who he had, he he, he used in the receiving game for the most part, especially if right. they were somewhat capable. And P. Ryan is definitely capable, okay? He played over Mixon on passing downs in Cincinnati. And Mixon was one of the, like, better pass-catching prospects that we've seen come out of college, okay? So, so – that's, this is who Samaje Piran was playing over. Okay, so right. Samaje Piran now going into a situation where Javante Williams, their lead back, is banged up. Sean Payton has never had a workhorse running back in the run game. Okay, not once. So, you know, no running back is getting like 250 carries in this offense. Yeah. So, no one running back, I mean. So, Samaje Piran is already coming in with some opportunity uh, on his plate. And you put you, the and the fact that Javante Williams is going to be banged up to start the year, this is a J.K. Dobbins type of injury, 
where he might not be right all year long. So you consider that, then you add a little bit more cherries on top of what Samaje Pirine has to yeah. offer. Last year, and if Javante Williams misses some games, last year Samaje Pirine had two games that he had to fill in for Joe, Joe Mixon. Guess what? He was top five both of those times in yep. fantasy points. So this is a situation where you want to target him at that price. He's one of my – he's a guy that he's on the board and then in the you know even late eighth, I'm grabbing him every single time because I think that he's somebody that you can start in week one. And yeah. you have RB1 upside because of the fact that he's a pass catcher. Sean Payne is going to use him as a pass catcher, and he's going to be heavy, heavily involved. He was no, he was literally handpicked by Sean Payton right. in free agency. Like, he was one of the first running backs to, to to get off of the market. Okay, yeah. Like imagine, like you mentioned, Javante Williams misses some games, right? Samaje Piran is RB one. You know, you could start him as a flex at the price that you get him. You know, that would be yeah. awesome. That would be really good. Are you kidding me? You have like a, a you know a, a a running back who's going to get RB one type of volume uh, when Javante Williams isn't playing, and then when Javante Williams is playing, even in the first couple of weeks, most likely Samaje Piran is going to get more touches, more opportunities than Javante. Yeah. In those first few weeks that Javante does actually suit up, and then when Javante, let's say later on in the season, week twelve, let's say week thirteen, there's a chance this is a 50-50 split in terms of touches. Right. Okay. Javante Williams was split. Do you guys remember who Javante Williams was splitting, splitting touches with his rookie year? Okay. Like, there are other, there are a lot of different situa- ways that this situation can play out where Samaje P. Ryan is almost as uh, valuable as Javante Williams this season. Javante Williams was a beast coming out. And, you know, if he, like I always say this, if he was healthy going into this year with Sean Payton, he would be like a top six or seven running back for me, most likely. Um, right. But that's not the case. So that's why I love Samaj P. Ryan so much because he is the healthy running back going into a Sean Payton offense this year. Yep. And that's it. That's going to do it, guys. Appreciate you. Um, thank you, Zach, for all of those picks. Those are some good ones. Um, I hope this episode helped. Now, uh, going into next week's episode, uh, we have not only we, we talked about best values, we're going to talk about the best upside picks. Uh, going into the fan, into your fantasy football draft, uh, we have a bunch of players to talk about. So make sure to tune into that episode. Um, again, if you want to support, uh, go sign up for Underdog Fantasy. We have been going crazy with the NFL season pickums. All right, uh, that we have posted up on our Instagram. We also did an episode last week going over our favorite pickums. Um, so make sure you tune in for that episode if you really want to, you know, win some money on Underdog right now. If you use the code UPPERHAND, you will get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So check that out. Uh, if, you look, if you're interested in any of the rankings that we have, uh, go to patreon.com slash UPPERHANDFANTASY. All those links that I mentioned uh, are in the episode description. So make sure to check, the, check those out. Zach, take it easy, brother. Uh, and everybody else, we'll see you guys again in a couple of days. See you later. Bye-bye.